Welcome to the podcast about stories from the center of the universe. I'm Daniel Lance. I'm Paul Gilman, and this is Podzo One. Thomas Leachman has an affinity for doing things a little differently, be it from his days barefoot kicking on his college football team to being one of the few proud UMBC fans courtside on the day of their fateful win over UVA. Thomas joined us to talk about growing up here in Ashland, his love of sports that led him to start his own remarkable basketball event marketing company, and adventures in his current work as a relocation consultant, such as what to do when a moving container filled with precious furniture goes down in the open ocean. To speak on all that and more, here's Thomas. Thomas Leachman, welcome to Pots One. I'm excited to be here. You know, really, obviously, I had a really always thought a lot about FOSO one as well in Richmond and it's, it's good good to uh I'm a big fan Hell of yeah, my dude. Vietnamese food and uh so you, you like our name is what you're saying yeah I really liked it I just you know I, I didn't really do a lot of homework as you as you would be real surprised I'm not surprised having, having driven me to school for three years back in the I, day I, I did drive you to school yes it, yes back in the pumpkin car back we just uh yeah play our mixed tapes uh and uh fight over uh back, back up just a little bit uh, fight over some, uh, you know, the tape deck and play the same songs every 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 day to the school. And There's a lot, to, lot of REM. Yeah, try to keep up with nine apiece. We we used to have this judge in town that lived in uh, lived in Hanover, and uh, she, I, she drove a Volvo, didn't she? I believe she did. Yeah. And so we we you know Paul's car could go about what 60, 65 on a good all, day all, max. All out when I had all five gears. Yeah. yeah. It, it was dang. We, we we're bringing the heat at sixty five, and this this judge would just she 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 was a lawyer at the time, but she would. I mean, come mock mock six down Interstate ninety five and just blow right by us every day. Going ninety easily, <laughs> easily. Yeah, but you know, and uh, so, but we we had a, we had some good days uh, riding to and from school. Good stories and uh, oh yeah, high school. Yeah, I, I was a senior when you were in junior. Junior, I was in eighth grade. Yeah. You were a senior. Sorry. I was you were, a... Paul was probably one of the better athletes to come through St. Christopher's. You probably wouldn't know it, but he uh, by looking at me, especially. he is a. He's part of what would be considered a dying breed in today's world of three sport athletes in high school. Yeah, you know, they, just, they don't exist because of all this crazy travel world sports. We all these parents live in. You know, you have your travel across guy that's you know dedicated only to eleven lacrosse. months a year for lacrosse, and then you have your basketball guys where you know it used to be just eleventh and twelfth graders play on the varsity team, and now it's like. You have to be on varsity in ninth grade to prove your worth. And uh, are people like grooming their kids and specializing them in, in like a single sport? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, you see it in baseball, lacrosse. Uh, you know, it's just you just don't see many Paul Gilmans running around. They're few mm. and far between. The world's, pro- the world's probably better off. Yeah, <laughs> but it's uh, he was uh, he was always a a, a good. Uh, <laughs> A good person to be down with when you're in eighth grade, and he's the senior captain of three sports at uh, St. Christopher's School in Richmond, which is a, a fairly athletic school. But you know, when not very many people have ever you know been a three sport captain, which is uh, pretty cool. And he, he actually, I think he played you played varsity baseball as a freshman too. I, I did, but I want to cl- I want to clarify for the record, I was not captain of the football team. Well, should have been you and Renard Charity or Renard. That's a good. That's <laughs> Fun names you're throwing out. The captains my senior year were Al Carter, Ben Ackerley, and John Siegel. And I want to be clear, there were only seven kids per class, so it was pretty easy to make all these teams. What yeah. do you mean seven kids? I'm, I'm being facetious. Uh, oh. 
But Gilly wore tw- he wore twenty four, right? As I recall, in, 20, fo- in football, twenty four. Yeah. yeah, he was. He was, you know, you see Lyndall Stone now at UVA wear 36. I know? love it. <laughs> you know? I love so it. Lyndall actually came over uh, for my birthday for dinner in town. What? Yeah, pretty funny. He's, a, he's got, he, he actually, you know, I'm kind of one of those parents too, but I, my son pl- enjoys playing quarterback, and so he really is working hard. But Lyndall's been uh, kind of uh, got him to start working with my son back in, when the Corona started out, and so mm. he's a. Th- how, how did you connect with him? He, he's a he goes he went to Woodbury Forest. Yeah. And, uh, oh god. And got uh, it. I used to coach uh, coach basketball against Blanda Wolf, who's now the director of operations at UVA. And oh. I kind of wanted to. I just thought it'd be better to hire a younger kid, and uh, he needed a summer job. And you know, we kind of worked out a little plan. And nice. And the kids have kept up uh, pretty well, and we've kept up with Lindell. He's, he's actually married and has a kid, and it's been a. Um, it's been a fun, 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 fun ride for the last couple of months, and the, you know, and obviously he's coming down. He's got his last home game this week against uh, Boston College, and so. Uh, we'll but he be, got married before he graduated. Yeah, he got married. He married probably two years ago. So oh wow! Yeah, so yeah. yep. So they just have a little baby daughter, and so we've been uh, get, had him. Over, but you know, they're, they're the only two quarterbacks I've ever seen with that. that you know, that aren't in the aren't in the traditional one through. Uh, Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie, maybe. He was 20, a twenty. Yeah, one 20, through nineteen were the yeah. typical numbers. Yeah. So. Oh, that's why the twenty-four and thirty-six. Yeah, you just don't see it in Doug Flutie. Probably about the only only three I've ever um, I've seen wearing uh, a non-traditional number. Yeah, I played one game with ninety-four. <laughs> why? Why? Uh, it's, it's a long story that we won't bore our, our audience with. Well, how about why twenty four? Uh, I really like the number, and it wasn't one through nineteen. I did not want one through nineteen. It you wore it in basketball too. What'd you wear in basketball? I was thirty five. Thirty five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like a MJ, but like twenty three, but just one more, just a little bit better. Yeah, I was. I was telling the world I'm one better than MJ. <laughs> he, he was trying to be Jeff Jones. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Jones back in the day. But uh, but yeah, no, but. We go back a long ways. Uh, parents, you know, Judge Gilman's was uh, the only, probably one of the few, um, uh, how would I say, spiritual leaders that have ever, you know, that have ever connected with Thomas Leachman in life. He and David Anderson, uh, I don't remember David Anderson mm-hmm. from St. Christopher's, but, you know, his dad, dad's always been a good man, taught me the mere Christianity back in the C.S. Lewis days, back yeah. at, 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 at uh, First Baptist Church. So I've, Gilly and I go back a long way. Good, good, good man. Yeah, uh, we. I would uh, spend time at your house when your mom was out of town, right? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, we'd. Uh, my mom didn't didn't like to. Uh, she knew I was not the easiest of kids to take care of, and uh, Paul would come in and house it for us. Try, try to. When, you know, my, my dad owned horses, horse, so he'd go to some horse, we'd have, they'd have to go to some horse races mm-hmm. up in New York City and throughout the country sometimes. And so Paul would be our reliable uh, house sitter. You, know, and you and your sister, B-Town? Yeah, we'd come back and break down the satellite. It was back in the day where, you know, if you live in the country, you didn't have cable. You had satellite dishes, so you uh-huh. had this big, giant, giant monster satellite dish, and you had to like move it around to get to certain channels. Uh-huh. And, you know, certain channels <laughs> our parents would not want us watching, but you know, <laughs> you know, but it was. Uh, I, was so, supposed, I was supposed to be watching that. I was supposed to make sure that Thomas and his friends weren't. Yeah, uh, yeah getting, no Satcom Four Channel Twenty Four, which was the Playboy Channel. Back then. <laughs> <laughs> Came on at eight o'clock at night, but or not ten o'clock. But it was. But uh, you never watched it. No. Nah, just yeah. every now no, and then. never. <laughs> yeah, it's a dangerous age gap. Um, you know, three years older. Where four. I think I'm four. Four, four, four years yeah. older. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's good times. It's like, can I really trust my my middle schooler with this high schooler? Or? Well, Paul was Paul was easy. He was he was definitely one to he was a guy we always looked up to. So he was he wouldn't he wouldn't you know it wouldn't wasn't that difficult decision for my mom to make. I was a fairly straight arrow, but I got along with people. So yeah, it's that's all awesome. Good. So uh, who else was in the carpool when I we had uh, it was Tad Priest, Rand was it Rand I think, and was it it was it, I know I know Hill Carter would always be eating his peanut butter jelly sandwich in the back seat, <laughs> breath breath kicking like kung fu, you know, and uh, he'd be in the back of the three of us. We Tie, I mean, just like piled in there. Uh, it, like, it, was it was not a big car. It was not 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 a big. It was one. a hatchback. Yeah, it was a hatchback, but it was it was beautiful. I mean, but you, you know, it was uh, it was it was one of those things you wouldn't trade for the world. I mean, you, you'd, you'd I'd rather ride that hit hatchback to school with the five of us piled in there. Fog, you mean the fog in the morning when it got real cold, oh, and you awful. couldn't see anything, and yeah, you had it, well, to roll the, down the window. Did the frost didn't work? It was yeah, awful. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was great. It's, yeah. At some point in my senior year, I lost second gear because it was a manual, <laughs> it was a stick, and I lost second gear, and I had to master going first to third. But I'm trying to teach my son how to drive now, so he's, uh, you know, and so down at, you know, if you in Richmond, Virginia, we have you know 95 South. You're going to 95 South, then you got to get on the Po White to shoot over to school, and right. And Gilly was the master. And back then, they used to have a toll too, so we had mm-hmm. a toll back then. But Gilly would run the sweep. It would be the greatest thing ever. We'd be in like lane three, and we'd we'd wait till like, and you'd, 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 everything would be backed up like two miles all the way back to like Lakeside probably. Uh, and Gilly would just come in hot on on, on lane three, the outside lane, and just Dale Earnhardt Jr. right and cut it, in front like clockwork every single. It, it week. was it was the only. Way way to do it and then so i've been teaching my kids that you know you come in on, we, we only go to lane two we don't go three deep we only go two wide so not everybody come, pull off three deep. we go two wide and we and we and we doing and we cut right in there but i mean teaching my son but uh it uh you know that that, that was uh that, that was that was an old ghillie special right there and we, it would save us about 15 minutes getting to school <laughs> dang yeah i always get so mad at those people but then you know i also realize if a lot of people did that it would even things out well you know and yes exactly and, you know you got too many you know people would be playing with their radio and they just or our truck would be there and you could just shoot right in front yeah of i'm it. not mm-hmm. sticking back there with the jumps that are lining up yeah yeah, yeah. i gotta get to school Right, right, right. Yeah. You couldn't be late. And, and do you remember the time we ran out of gas? Were you in the car that time? I don't know. I don't know if I was on the. On the oh, on the... I was so mad. I ran out of gas about three miles from school, right there at uh, Staples Mill in Bethlehem. Oh yeah, that's a. It was brutal. Oh, I, I go home that way. Yeah, that was not cool. I was not happy that day. There's a Wawa right there. Yeah, there? not back in the day. Oh, there was nothing yeah. there back in the day. There wasn't anything back there. Dang. But that, that, that Wawa's there. Then you, you always take the back cut to Mekong. Actually, that's what I always do. Oh, that's how about I, yeah? Yeah, that, that's where I always go into Mekong. I, for, I love Mekong. Yeah, Mekong is is the best. They got rid of the lunch special though. Corona. They got rid of the lunch special, but uh, another casualty. Lim is a Lim's a good man. He always takes care of me. Is Lim so, uh, one of the owners? Yeah, yeah. He's 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 a guy. Loves his uh, loves his sports and loves his fishing and, uh, and he loves beer too. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That uh, yeah. On is more the beer guy. Lim. Is, well, he opened up the next door, right? The, the, yeah. The, the is it the, the answer or the, the answer? An- the answer. The answer. Yeah. But those yeah. those guys are good people. I love you know going to watch a World Cup at Mekong. There's nothing like it. You know. I've been I've been to I've been to Spain for the World Cup to watch it at bars, but there's nothing better than going to Mekong in Richmond, Virginia, with 
with, with, with the on boys and just hanging out with them. Is, is on uh, one of the brothers? Yes, yes, I think I believe so. Yeah. I get I get a lot of them confused, but I you know I've just known Lim for many a year. But I've you know I like the uh, uh, I'm a big foe fan and now. So you went to uh, Christ Church in what grade? I left St. Christopher's in tenth grade, and uh, and you and you uh, <laughs> broadened my academic horizons. No, down sure, at Christ Church. Yeah, yeah. So how, we, how many kids were down there? I don't know, probably 300. Yeah, okay. But, so know, bigger so, than I thought. Yeah, but, you know, I learned a lot from the boarding school experience. It was a great experience for me. Uh, you know, and I kind of convinced me to, you know, I really wanted my son to look at that in for his experience. And now he's at Woodbury yeah. Forest, which is a school in Orange. It's nice being from from Ashland, too. Um, you know, yeah, it's uh, not too far. Not too far at all. And it's been a, it's a good balance for him in his, his high school. He's uh, learned how to be independent. It, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's been very good. So That's he, nice. He's a little bit more academic rigorous than his old man was. He's, no, I, I he, he got it from his mother more than... I mean, if we want to talk about you academically, we can, Thomas. <laughs> I, was pro- I was probably Prop 48 coming out of high school. But, you know, we got through it and got, got into, you know, ended up going to Hamden, Sydney for... Um, Hold on, before you go to Ham Sydney, did Christchurch recruit their basketball team? Absolutely. Yeah, they had We to. were the best team money could buy. Because we, we played them my senior year, and I think they beat us like 115 to 40. My, or something ridiculous. My, right. my junior year, we were absolutely loaded. I was very fortunate to even be on the team. Uh, we opened up our season in Philadelphia, inner city Philadelphia at a school. No, that was my senior year. That was my senior year. My junior, we were really we had a really loaded team, and we were number one in the state for most of the year until the final two weeks. But we did we were a great athlete, a bunch of we were a, a great group of players, but we weren't a, a very good team. Yeah, and we lost to Benedict Warren Rutledge beat us twice after we beat him by forty at mm. home, beat us at Benedictine, which was an incredible environment. The last game of the season, then we they beat us in the state quarters as well, and that was a. You know, that team was absolutely loaded. And I thought, you know, and we were all juniors. And then we ended up having a, a, a few leave school. Um, and then my senior year, we, we came down to, you know, I was that fortunate to be one of the top six in the in the lineup. And we had a worse team. But we opened up our season my senior year at in inner city Philadelphia at Abington Friends, which is a, a school there. Um in Philly, it's a little bit. It's not quite like the St. Christopher's West End University of Richmond life, right, but it was. Right. Uh, you had uh, you know had one of the teams we were playing was Simon Gratz, and Gratz had a kid by the name of uh, Rashid Wallace who was a freshman, and so that was our, our our first game of the year. We thought it was going to be a long season, but we ended up uh, going thirty and one. Is that being our one no lone loss? And we won the state championship uh, that year. Uh, we, we were able to get get it done, and so nice. that was a you know that was a that was a big moment for for the first state championship in the history of the Christchurch school. Despite how loaded they'd been with other teams, um, they just never could get it done. And that's back when the state championship was really the state championship. It was sixteen teams. Did you play against Sheed? Is that what I just heard you yes, say? Yes, Sheed. So yeah. So but he was Sheed and. Uh, Sheed was a freshman back then. Sheed, uh, I think, may still have the record for most technical fouls in the NBA. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a high school coach now, believe it or not. And he's also he also said, I think he says this a lot, whenever he gets called for a foul and he doesn't believe he, he fouls the person, and then the guy, the guy he fouled goes to the free throw line and misses the free throw, he, he'll simply say, ball don't lie. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is uh, he, it was, but he was, back then he was rail thin. 
rail thin. He was pretty it, thin at Carolina yeah, too, right? And that was back when high school teams only had like one set of jerseys. You know, just like you, we, we didn't have all the gear that these kids have today. So it was, you know, there, it was a uh, it was an it was a fun experience for work to, for us as a to play. But you know that that was one of the uh, highlights of uh, you know to play against a future all, all McDonald's All American. Oh, he was ridiculous, right? Yeah. And there's another kid that played in the tournament too, Jonathan Haynes, that played at Temple that was just flat nasty. That it was a good experience. We were lucky to come out of that. We were one and one in the tournament. We. Uh, I got dunked on by some guy named uh, Carlin Worley. They ended up playing at like St. Joseph's or something. Dang. And my dad had made the mistake of talking smack to him in the stands after a few Jack Daniels before the game. And it was a, it was a long night for me, but it was uh, but we were it was a fun one. Dang. So, but, and so you went. You said you went thirty and one that senior year. Yeah, thirty. Well, we ended up going thirty and three because we went to a postseason tournament and dropped two. Um, to you know, never never should go to an extra tournament after the true championship. <laughs> yeah, you were done. You yeah, were done. Just on your laurels. So it's, yeah. it's, so it's a, you know, and then you know, um, but then you know, I made my way to Hamden, Sydney, and so uh, then you know, I've been been around, lived in Dallas, lived in Atlanta, and, and now I've been living in Ashland for nineteen years. So. Yeah, well, you came back home. Yep, yeah, and, yeah, and you stayed. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love it. Yeah. That must have been really, uh, really cool winning the state championship. I mean, like, what what was that like? It was it was great. It was good, but I mean, you know, it's still you know, it isn't quite like Hoosiers like you see, you know, in Indiana. It's still mm-hmm. a private school basketball. We played a team called Hampton Roads Academy, which we two of our players from the previous year ended up two brothers ended up going there to uh, Hampton Roads, the Whitehead brothers. And mm-hmm. so they left Christchurch, went to Hampton Roads. So we played them in the state championship game. So that was probably the the coolest storyline of all. Um, were they good? They were they were good. They were good athletes. They weren't great basketball players. They were you know, I mean I they were very talented, but the chemistry that, you know, that, that was some some of the chemistry that we were able to put together our senior year that helped us do so well was probably because you know addition by subtraction you know so we uh did that but that was a fun experience for me going up against them after they had you know talked smack to me for so many years playing behind them you know for sophomore junior year you know and then you you get to play them in the state championship and i remember just catching one of them from behind on a on he didn't know anybody was trailing him on a layup and i completely had the best lot block of my career and you know that was you know I didn't average a whole I was a great role player I you know I did my little you know I'd have two four six max a game and just do my tip ends play defense and rebound that was all I needed to do because you're a tall fella I was tall but very thin you know so are you the guy that stands under the net and yeah, no, I mean, I just, you know, I, I, I tried to guard the big guys. I talked a lot of smack because I, you know, I was the guy that, that would talk a lot of smack, but didn't have a, have a whole lot to back it up. But it was, uh, you know, that uh, that was my role in the squad, and I just let the other guys do. It. We had a lot of kids from D, inter, uh, from DC that came to play for Christchurch, and we had a. Uh, we had a uh, we were a great shooting team. Great, uh, you know, had a, had a, had all every piece of the puzzle. But it was you know our thirty and ones, thirty and one. But we crazy. you know we lost to uh, Fork Union on fault. Fork Union back then was uh, had a couple of pretty good players. Yeah, so wow. that was uh, you know they had a guy named by the name that won the Heisman Trophy named Eddie George on their basketball Did, team. Oh, he played on the basketball team. Too. Yeah, he played on the basketball team, and so uh, he was. Uh, he was on that squad. Was he good at basketball? He was okay. He wasn't. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't. He, he wasn't like Heisman Trophy no, level. But he, he did. He did. I did try to block him out and got my thumb <laughs> stuck between his hip and a guy named Lee Burden that ended up going to James Madison for football. 
and just completely shattered my right thumb. So every Oof. time it gets rained or gets cold, I can always think think of Eddie George. Uh, I actually ran into him one time in Dallas at the Doak Walker Award. Doak Walker's a big – it's like the Heisman Trophy for running backs. It's only for running backs. Right. So they were honoring Eddie. And so he and I ended up in the bathroom together talking old prep league stories. And he, <laughs> yeah, he was the only, like, legitimate star football player that went to their under – their their regular high school program, their post grad football team has some incredible names associated with it. But he was really the only one that went there for what I would call normal at uh, high school. You're absolutely right. Yeah, Mike Quick. Is, I remember Mike Quick. But they have a, they have a whole. It's pretty neat. Fork Union is a great little spot to go. Uh, but it's just their their history of all their players. Vinny Testaverde went there. It's uh, but they're yeah. all prep, and so the you know, but you know Eddie George was you know they ended up finding you know senior year he went there and played and. Uh, uh, Paul's old coach Dick Kemper, uh, you know they played him and he they challenged uh, Eddie's age and they ended up finding out he was too old to play in the prep league. <laughs> Conveniently after the St. Christopher's had played him, but it was <laughs> you know so they got the victory. Uh, St. Christopher's ended up getting the victory, but it was uh, uh, you know that was Eddie. I didn't realize that. Yeah, mm. so yeah, Eddie George was you know he had to move up midway through. Oh, so he ended the, up playing the postgrad. Yeah, yeah, so oh wow, so it was uh, that, 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 but that was that was. Uh, you know that was another great player. To, you know, oh. you doing you know some of the things you, you see. But you know, we're very fortunate in Richmond. We've seen you know you got Russell Wilson right here in Richmond uh, from Collegiate too. You see him. You yeah. know, he had a pretty good game last night. Beat the Eagles for the fifth time in a row. But you know that the prep league has uh, had some great players come through it. Yeah. No. Also had some bad players like myself come through it. So <laughs> you know. Did you did you try to play basketball at Hamden Sydney? Uh, no, I actually no, ended up playing football. Actually, it was, oh. they needed. To, I was kind of like the uh, the the girl from Vanderbilt. I just decided I was going to become a kicker one day during <laughs> uh, you know during summer summer one summer. Actually, the summer uh, Paul and I were actually together one day, and uh, uh, we had one of our childhood friends. Uh, we found out we were actually doing some work together, and one of our childhood friends passed away in a car accident. And uh, yeah, we've actually talked about Ted on this. Podcast. Yeah, that's so, you, know, yeah. you know, from that I was kind of inspired to, to you know kind of play, and I gave it a shot. Started out number like seven on the depth chart and moved my way all the way up by the by the first game. So it was a barefoot too. Yeah, by I was the way. gonna say I never saw you play, but I've I've been told you were a barefoot kicker. Barefoot back in the day. Why were you a barefoot kicker, Tom? Get, I get more uh, more height on the ball, could get it up a lot quicker. Oh, because you don't have to worry about the cleats yeah and just it would just weighed me down and it was just something i did and back in the day when we, we ran off we go to randolph making and, and mess around, around just like yeah. we do with your kids you know so. that doesn't I, i've never seen that it's like literally just barefoot <laughs> yeah barefoot this guy named tony franklin made it made it made it in vogue so i, I followed his lead <laughs> messing around but, but I, when you were I doing did, it you were I, the only one when y'all played other teams there wasn't a barefoot kicker on the other team ever uh, no, no, yeah. I never saw one. I did wear an aqua sock though in high school because I liked it. It was, uh, you know, they wouldn't allow me to wear non cleat and then they banned my aqua sock for the, from the, um, from, uh, in high school so i was never the same kicker that uh that i was with the aqua sock back then nike created that aqua remember that aqua sock no. dad uh-uh. it was just a light like shoe that you, people would wear on the beach or something oh and, gotcha and so i'd i've made that into my uh football cleat and then it got uh it got got banned so it was uh though that was what i did and you know 
Uh, so that, that was that. I, I didn't decide to go out until my junior year for football. So. But you kicked both years. No, I only kicked one year. I got beat out by a freshman my senior year. But, you, know, <laughs> you know, and I I had gone to Spain the summer before, and I didn't miss too many meals, and I uh, came in looking like. Uh, Janikowski uh, looks like a keg on stage. Janikowski's probably the fattest kicker of all time. <laughs> so yeah, it was, a, it was also a really good kicker though. Yeah, but th- this kid was a really. I mean, he, I had no shot. I mean, it was not even close. I mean, he was putting the ball five yards deep in the end zone, and so it was. But oh, hold on, but you did kick your junior year. Junior year. Yes. You remember your stats from your junior year? They weren't. They yeah, I did a lot of kickoffs. I mean, you know that. I would say probably. Wait a minute, you uh, were doing kickoffs barefoot? Yeah, barefoot, yeah, yeah, barefoot. So it was a. Uh, don't you know, you have yeah, to, I, I had, you know, there was another kicker that got transferred from Virginia Tech that was a kicker. So he and I were kind of off and on, uh, back and forth. So, it was, you know. so when you kick, when you kick for a kickoff, you have to they they might like run it, try to run it back up. So you have to play defense, right? Yeah, yeah. I had a couple of, uh, I can't, yeah. You he tried to. I mean, nobody ever tried to step on my feet, but uh, you know, I definitely had a few situations where I near scrapes. Couple couple guys took me out pretty good. They head hunted a little bit, which is uh, you know it's fine. Or there. barefoot hunted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's so, the craziest thing to watch whenever I whenever I watch uh, football. Is that like that head hunting that happens, especially uh, yeah. of like the quarterback? Well, yeah, that, that that's what I was talking about the other day with the situation. You know, we you know I you know I would, you know a lot of people are talking about the situation with Vanderbilt. What the, What's going to happen when this girl gets somebody head hunts her, uh, you know, on a, or, or comes down, and, uh, she kicks it off, and a guy runs through, and she's the last one? That's going to be, uh, you know, that's going to be something that people are going to be talking about. There will be you a know, lot of reaction. There's a that. lot of difference in you know playing the game and then actually playing the game. You know, I mean, she, you know, that's going to be something that's going to be something because um, you know I, I see she's on the roster again this week, so I don't know if that means she's actually going. You know, get in there or not? But has she played and, and kicked? She yeah, she um she kicked uh, she kicked off. I mean, last you know this, you know we started watching this, and I don't know about where you what y'all are doing, but with Corona, there's not a whole lot to do on Saturdays like as they usually are with kids. We don't have as many sporting events, so you're watching Sports Center and you're watching the pregame shows, and right, they were showing highlights of her, you know, kicking extra points, and you know, let's the truth be told, I mean she's. You know, a very good athlete, and you can't take anything away from her prowess as a goalie or anything. But she's, you know, she shouldn't. There are plenty of people that could probably be kicking in that same in, in those same shoes on the campus of Vanderbilt, other than her. But it, you know, I, I think the you know when you looked at her kick, I mean, the line of scrimmage for her to kick an extra point would have had to be four yards into the end zone because she was kicking from the five yard line. When you kick, you have to be seven yards back. At least seven, yeah. Yeah, it's at least seven yards back. And, you know, it's just her legs, obviously, she's a very strong soccer kicker, but I don't know if she's a football kicker. And, you know, so I think this has become a, just a, a little bit of a circus with the situation that, that is, you know, and then she gets named all – I mean, what, player co- of the week, player co-player of the week. week for kicking the ball off as far as Paul used to for the Ashland Vikings back in the day, which to is the, not very far yeah. to like the forty-yard line, which is you know, which is all good, but you know this this whole world of identity politics that we're all seeing and, and, and that's carrying over now into sports is just it's just out of control. I mean, the the coach obviously got fired on Sunday from Vanderbilt. You know, when you're zero and eight. I guess you're trying to distract any all the attention you can off the team, but well, he, I didn't realize he got fired. Yeah, he got fired the next morning, but you know that you know nobody 
just talking about the fact that you know, it, you know, this is there's a difference between what she's doing and what Monet Davis did. You know, Monet Davis was a. You're talking Little League World Series. Yeah, Little League World Series. I mean that that truly is one of the the greatest moments of my you know existence as a parent was taking my son to watch Monet Davis pitch in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And she was the best pitcher on one of the top two or three. On the Mid Atlantic team, yeah. Yeah. And she she had literally fifty seven thousand people watching her. And in a crowd sea of fifty seven thousand you're out there, and everybody's just rooting for this, this this girl who has worked her tail off since she was mm-hmm. four years old to be in the Little League World Series. And that's the Little League World Series is the probably the – I mean, I know you probably had dreams of it. I sure. had dreams. I mean, as a coach, I mean, there was nothing more as a Little League coach that I would love to have done than to, to, to play in that – to experience that. But, you know, we took our kids, and, uh, you know, I think that, that like that is the true essence of – of what you want now, where it's like we're tr- everything trying to win some social media. Yeah, we're we're lowering bars. It's all like over the, place, it, the situation with Monet Davis happened organically and it was real. But there's something about this one that feels a little bit more staged and and politically motivated. Absolutely, I mean, I think it's just totally just playing, you know, a card that you know it's, it's just unnecessary. But I will I will tell you something funny backtrack of that sea of fifty seven thousand people from Ashland, Virginia. I'm sitting on the hill, and I look down on the hill. The hill, we, I don't know if you've ever been to Williamsport, Pennsylvania. I haven't been but, there, but it's a But you see hill. it on TV, but they have this gigantic hill, and it's just a sea of people. And usually they have kids on cardboard. There's a lot of space there to kids. But, you know, on this particular day, there was just no – there were no seats available because it was – you know, Monet Davis is from the Philadelphia area. And Williamsport's they, not far. Not right. far at all. So the crowd was just enormous. And – uh Monet and I look down the thing and I see this this little league jersey down below as the Atley jersey. You know, Atley Little League is down. You know, they have their aqua green, and I see a D U L L on this all this blonde haired blonde haired, and I I see a a a bigger set kid with with his Ashland Little League uh, jersey on, and then I see one of our childhood friends, Rob Dole. AKA the ninja. <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, Dole Baby, of all those people, I, I would have never thought in, you know, uh, that sea of people to see anybody from Ashland. From right? Ashland. And, and, there, and there he was. But it was it was one of those experiences that, you know, you're right, the organic experience of that versus what we're seeing. And now it's going to dominate our headlines on Saturday. And, you know, it's going to. You know, I hope it works out for her, but I, I don't, yeah, no I, ill will towards her. No, no, it's not her fault. But I just think that you know they they put this, well, created this situation where you know we have a, you know, trying to be you know act like she's Jackie Robinson or something, and she you know all she is is just you know she was going home on Wednesday afternoon, and they you know came up with this brilliant idea to, because of contact tracing to have a girl come kick for the team to be the first SEC. Uh, you know, and it just, I just, um, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting thing to watch for all of us this upcoming weekend. Yeah, it's going to dominate. There's no doubt. Yeah, and it's like, it definitely no ill will toward her, and, and she might end up be, being sort of a, a victim if it happens that, like you said, if a situation arises where it's uh, like football is, is a really aggressive sport. I've never played it, but like um, when reality hits, uh, it'll hit hard if it does. And like, she, she'll be the one that has to deal with that uh, uh, more than anybody else. So yeah, she's she has she's trending everywhere on Twitter. So I mean, I guess she's you know doing you know everything. That's all we're you know we've become you know big tech has become the big uh, 
you know, the, the, you know, the, the in vogue thing for all <coughs> controlling everything we do. Um, and so, you know, I guess the, this is her moment. So it's, it'll be good. But, you know, I wish them luck between the hedges on Saturday against, against Kirby Smart. Yeah, they're going to get killed, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, but, you know, that's the thing about last week's game. It was the most <laughs> winnable game. If you're a player on that team at Vanderbilt, I mean, you, that's the most winnable game you've had all season. You've had, you know, a, you have a crappy Missouri team that's one in three. You haven't won a game all season. You haven't, you know, you played Florida pretty tough, and your coach goes out to get a kicker, and he goes to the soccer team to pick up a girl that he's never even seen kick before, and she all of a sudden named a starter, and then gives a halftime speech of your of your game against the in the one winnable game. It's just. 2020 is a bizarre year. Yeah, right? it's a bizarre year. And I think these Coronas, is like maybe they just don't care anymore because of the Corona. <laughs> the Corona season. And you're you know? thinking that it could be like a PR play to deal with the fact that they're 0-8? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a total distraction. But I think they're lessening the value of their program by forcing this whole storyline because, you know, you know, why are you going to go to Vanderbilt when you could go to, you know, I mean, obviously Vanderbilt's a great school, but, you know, if you could go play – somewhere like Cincinnati that's more serious about football, you know, um, that's... Yeah, depends just, on what you're going to school for. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So they want to go to Battle of Brains, you go to Vanderbilt. So. Yeah, which is you and I were not going to end up there, Thomas. Absolutely. All right, so you had a, a basketball event marketing yeah, thing yeah. You, you were doing back in the yeah. day. Tell us about that. So, yeah, but, uh, I went to uh, graduate school at VCU. That's where uh, yeah, I became good – you know, that's where Mike Rhodes and I became pretty good friends. Mike Rhodes is now the coach at uh, VCU. And and so, the same Mike Rhodes that's going to be on this podcast. Yes, yes. You, we'll, we will get him all lined oh, up, yeah. get, 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 keep it in the Ashland family. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Mike lived in Ashland, so he and I were – He coached at Randolph-Macon. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah coached at Macon. So, you know, he and I became friends. Despite the fact that I went to Hampton, Sydney, we uh, – <laughs> We fought though, you've seen, and you've seen, good you've seen past it. Yeah. And so, you know, we went to uh, went to VCU, and uh, I, you know, everybody was on a coaching track, or you know, and I really wanted to be in a sports business type of uh, atmosphere. So I, uh, you know, took it on upon myself to you know create uh, a little bit of a, a LLC within my student um, participation on the side, whereas you know, many people were working within the athletic department. I took more of an entrepreneurial role and tried to create uh, an event marketing company where I could try to build some equity or build build a build a business to 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 help me get to uh, to further my career. And so what I you know basically did was I went around and created showcase basketball events as well as all star events and um, uh, did did it throughout the throughout the United States. Uh, yeah, I had a in event you'd feature like back then LeBron James was probably in his sophomore year and that's when I started doing my events about then you'd have a showcase you'd bring a team in uh from with a high profile player uh back then there was no YouTube so you know people don't realize what YouTube has done to event events in, in general people would just you, you trend on Twitter. Just watch it on you, you YouTube. Watch, yeah. People just don't want to go to go. Why go out when you can just sit there and and, uh, and watch on computer? But this is back when people actually went to sport you know, events in high school. Ronald Curry at the time was a huge household name in Virginia. Oh, he verbally committed to UVA and then at, backed out. Absolutely. And I, you know, I went down to Hampton High School to watch him play. I watched him. 
Yeah, so I went down to watch a game, and I just started looking around. I started in my head thinking about uh, how neat it would be to bring, like, a create a showcase game between, like, a Ronald Curry versus a top-tier uh, player, from, you know, in basketball from R- Richmond area to, to have them go head-to-head. Because back then, it was everybody's schedules were all just based around their localities. It really wasn't, unless, except for maybe a Christmas tournament. So I created some showcases. Uh, you know, I had, you know, I, I bet over the years we did. I did it for about eight to nine years. And over the years, I probably had like maybe 120 Division One commits. Mm, nice, probably seven to ten NBA future NBA players play. I mean, anyway, you know, Kevin Durant, Michael Beasley, Scotty Reynolds, who played at Villanova, was mm-hmm. one of. I won uh, J.R. Smith, who just won the world, you know, won, won his, another world championship with. Was uh, he on the Lakers? He's on the Lakers. Oh, yeah. my God. So J.R. actually played in Crenshaw Gym in Ashland, Virginia. Wow. Was uh, hung on the rim and got a technical foul early in the game. He dunked on Bombali Osby from Benedictine and then got a, then hit a three and talked a little smack in the. Uh, one of the referees gave him a second technical foul, and he got thrown out of the game. And so uh, mm. that was – it happened when I – back then we didn't have cash apps and stuff like that and credit card. We didn't have a credit card machine. So when you ran these events, you had lots and lots of cash. And I had left Crenshaw to go back to my house to hide, you know, just to get rid of the money and put it in a in, – in, the dishwasher but <laughs> but i had uh you know because nobody would look there yeah yeah but and so should have hit a book but um i uh, but uh i basically was away from the gym and came back yeah to uh crenshaw snuck in you know we, in ashland we we used the railroad tracks and we you know we know everybody knows the back way into crenshaw yeah, it's, oh, yeah. it's a true ashlander uh, and so we uh, came into the backside of the gym, and Danny Hurley, who's now the coach at UConn, was the coach of St. Benedict's. And I just walk into the gym, and he is just, you know, beside fire red just beside himself because he's a nationally top-tier team. He's playing a team called St. Patrick's on Tuesday night. Okay, this is Saturday night. If you get kicked out of a game, you're not allowed to play the next game. So J.R. Smith in Crenshaw has become not only has he been thrown out of the game, which has made all the fans irate because they've all paid fifteen bucks to see him play. Yeah, you've uh, you've got a coach that is more concerned about playing nationally ranked St. Patrick's on Tuesday without J.R. Smith. So we we um, you know I, I, it was a, it was it was one of those experiences that you you want to run for cover, but we were. In true Thomas Leachman fashion, we were able to figure out a game for them to play on Sunday afternoon so JR could sit out and then maybe be eligible nice. for Tuesday night. That's so gen- <laughs> so we, we were able to pull it off. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I, you know, JR was one of those, he was one of the more special ones I ever had. Uh, but you know, I wish I could have gotten Kevin. Kevin Durant a few more times, but you know Ty Lawson. I mean, there there've been some great ones. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's nice to keep up with them too. You'll see them on you know social media. They'll post old stories about their high school stuff, and a lot of times it'll be be from events that that I, we were able to do. Nice. So, so that's what I did. You know, I did that. You know, Dallas, Texas. I did a great event between uh, number one Oak Hill and number two Duncanville, mm. which in today's world, a, a guy from Ashland, Virginia, could never 
in a million years get that done in in today's world of of, of high school basketball with all that it's uh, too much money. There's too much shoe shoe involvement. Right. Um, you know, I was I got really fortunate. I I booked that game a year in advance, and I, through Matt Doherty helped me at SMU get Moody. Um, so the night before the game, we took Oak Hill over there, thinking it would be – they were playing like USC Upstate, which is South Carolina Upstate, thinking, thinking that there would be like, you know, a decent crowd, a decent atmosphere. There were 17 people in, in Moody Coliseum that night. Watching, 17. Yeah, 17. It was – and, you know, and out, outside of the Oak Hill team, nobody was there. It was, it was the most embarrassing thing. And then the next night, we completely sold out Moody Coliseum for number one in the nation, Duncanville, and number two, Oak Hill. Oak Hill won in overtime. It was incredible. But, I bet it was incredible. But the yeah. prelim game was – I, I kind of didn't want to deal with – I wanted to deal with a – two private schools because it was just a lot easier, less headaches. And so I got the basically the two most, you know, elite private schools in Dallas. Uh, their parents bought every single courtside seat before they went on sale and at, at $125 a ticket to watch their children play and not <laughs> and not one of them was not you know the two schools would, would probably never play in a facility like that right unless mm-hmm. per pregame but it ended up being one of the, another another good much better option than what I um, could have been dealing with uh you said Matt Darty Matt Darty you remember Matt Darty played for Carolina yeah I remember Matt so Doherty. he was a coach at SMU and he was trying to build there a lot of these coaches back then now they don't allow they don't allow events to to be played on college campuses any longer at, at Division One levels because it creates a recruiting advantage. And back then, and Matt Doherty had arranged for us to 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 get the facility to to play, and it was he did a great job. I mean, I still had to pay full freight, had to pay all the taxes, all the stuff involved with it. But it was a, uh, you know, well, part of the deal is when you there's a lot of logistics involved. The games are easy to do. It's the logistics that are a hard part. And Oak Hill Academy is one of the, uh, you know. You know, most sought after teams They've in the country. Four, four, 35, 40 years, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, and then, you know, we had a great relationship with the coach, but, you know, we were supposed to, it was supposed to be a one game deal, right? And it was, and then I had to fly each of the kids back to their home, prospective home. So you're, you know, I'm like, what a headache. I got, you know, 13 different plane tickets. To were fly you a one man show? I was a one man show. My wife helped, you know, at the time when we had a young child and it was, uh, you know, it was a, it was a fun experience, but yeah, I, I, you, you aren't big. The margins aren't large enough to, to, to have a huge company, but, uh, you know, and, and, in hindsight probably should have exploded and done to more, gone to more cities. Um, right Sounds like you could have, could have, you could have, but then, you know, that there a recession hit back then and it wasn't, it would didn't make things very easy. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, venture capital money for investing in Omni Sports Group back then. But uh, you know, so we, you know, you'd had that. But but at the time, I don't know if you remember when Lute Olson was at Arizona. Sure, he got in a little bit of recruiting trouble with a a um, a uh, donor who created a his his own little type Thomas Leachman Showcase event. And he had the great idea of bringing in Arizona's top recruit, who was on Oak Hill, from Dallas to Arizona to play a game. And that's when, because of that event that occurred with Lute Olson, mm-hmm. when all the all the because you can't really have a, a a booster involved with recruits because of that event, that's why the NCAA cracked down 
and uh, so crack down on the the use of of uh, high school events yeah. at, at facilities. So, so, what, so in, a, in a backdoor way, you know, something I was involved with because you know, you know, ended up you know, burning the the future. But it was it was that day was coming anyway because it was just yeah, yeah. it became too big of a recruiting advantage for school. So, so that that coach in Arizona flew that kid out. Um, yeah, the coach did and the boosters did the booster did. Then what, Arizona, what's, a, what's a booster? A booster is just a big donor that, uh, you know, somebody's involved with the school. That's maybe, really, maybe too involved, maybe too involved. And so it was a, it was a situation that the NCAA cracked down and Lute Olson ended up kind of, kind of ended up being his kind of last hurrah. Uh, you know, he's one of the most respected coaches of all time but and, because, because of that recruiting, recruiting, what they what in today's world is just nothing compared to what has gone on in recent years, oh, yeah. so, you know. But it was back then; it was considered a big deal in a in a in a in a, um, in a violation by what the NCAA deemed a major violation. Which, so, do you see a lot of that opportunity for events and uh, like what, what what you set up um, drawing up with this new? Vietnam, yeah, no, I just think that people don't go to. As them as much as they used to. I think they're um, everything is so TV driven, and you know you can watch games on your on your computer. I mean, I think th- that's great if you can have a TV component to it, like ESPNU. See, ESPNU is showing ESPN's te- kind of come in and kind of taking over the market. Right. Um, scheduling is a lot more difficult now too and the kids the problem is you, you really had to get you really knew what the kid there weren't as much transferring back when I did it you know kids pretty much stayed true you could transfer school. unless you were willing to sit out an entire year yeah no that's in college in, in yeah. high school oh, yeah, in yeah. high school you could transfer but there wasn't as much today I mean kids, some kids go to four high schools in, 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 in four years it's just it's that's not unheard of it's mm. just it's it's too hard to you know once once a kid's discovered and you think you have a good relationship with them you know they're they're you know they they could be out the door to to an IMG academy in in a heartbeat. What's an IMG academy? IMG is a new school that uh, is run by IMG, the man, international management group down. Oh. You know, and they they have their pick of the litter as far as of, of players nationwide because wow. they can throw money at it. Yeah, they just got money. I mean, it's a scholarship. You know, it's, if you know if you're you know you can go there and full time train. You, you know, you go to you know go to workouts in the morning and then go to class in the afternoon and you're, you're taken care of a little bit better than some of the you know, situations. You're more of a, it, it helps you get prepared for college and, and the next level. So that's, it's, it's very difficult. It's not as easy as, as you think, unless you got a TV network behind you. And, and if ESPN does, in fact, I, th- I do think the ESPN is going to be in big trouble in the next couple of years. We'll, we'll see what happens, but they're not exactly, uh, making a lot of revenue now. So it could be interesting to see what happens with their involvement. Mm-hmm. Uh, would Matt Darty take your call now? Matt's out of coaching. I mean, yeah, no, I'll see Matt. He worked for the uh, Atlantic 10. He was a commissioner of basketball for the Atlantic 10. So we'd sit together at the VCU. I'd see him at VCU games and talk with him. But, you know, I mean. Where I, is he now? I, I, he is, uh, he's out of basketball. He's actually invested in uh, – I think he's a, a weed entrepreneur now. Oh, yeah, right. He's involved with that, uh, I think, uh, or THC or whatever you want to call it. Uh, or CBD or CBD whatever. CBD oil or something mm-hmm. like that. So I think he's – Whatever's legal, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people are on the uh, on that bandwagon now trying to get ahead of the curve and the legalization of it, which is 
which you know, crazy Virginia just 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 went down that road too. And yeah, and they want to build a casino in downtown Richmond. Like, yeah, that's going to be really good for the inner city. Let's let's build a casino. That'll really help yeah. to help the help the families of you know help the future. Not but, not good at all. Yeah, yeah, you don't see that, but uh, but yeah, that that's where it was. Yeah, so I did. Those are some of my, you know. Uh, you know, one hit wonders I had, you know, did that. And then, you know, just strictly, I was also doing moving and storage at the time too. So I had my full-time job. This was kind of like a side gig. And I've been in moving and storage now for like 18 years, working for the Hildrup companies. What, what's back. your craziest moving story? Crazy move story? Uh, I mean, I, you know, you, you, you get, you get so many, I mean, you know, I've, you know, I always talk about the, uh, you know, internet, you know, the household goods is, you know, in the United States is, you know, you, you, You've had all kinds of, you know, customers and, you know, many good and many bad, you know, but you always want to, you know, try to obviously do the best for every customer you can. And uh, one of the, when I first got into business, I was involved with a shipment that uh, was going to the islands. I can't remember where it would be. I think it was the Cayman Islands and uh, the shipment left, you know, the customer probably gotten two years worth of you know, it probably took about a year and a half to get their home the way they wanted to have all their furniture in place at, at, in the warehouse and to be shipped down to the islands. So the you know you have a you have a container in the in the sea world in the in the ocean containers we ship them in you know on a on a on a barge and they go you know throughout the the ocean and and on down to the. Uh, to the islands, to, to the ports. And, uh, you know, in, in this particular one, the, uh, the, you know, we took the, we ran the customer's, uh, container down to Norfolk, Norfolk, and then it got on a barge, you know, and it, it was one of the ships and it was taken to, uh, down South. And so, uh, during October now, and that's not the best time of year to be moving into there. Second and, uh, half of the hurricane season. And yeah. so the, 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 they, the, the shipment arrives and uh, the sh- ship arrives and there's no container on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> and so what I would, you know, what we believe what happened is, is that that container is somewhere at the bottom of the sea, but it, it, it was a complete headache uh, for us as a, as a company and, and for me as a salesman um, to deal with. But it was something that uh, you always, you know, when you talk about international shipments, as we talked, you know, discussed you when you moved to the, you know, yeah, the, the different oil countries you're in, the you know it's 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 a very it's, international moves can be very stress stressful because they first of all they take for a very long time, but there's so many in things that can occur on the, on the way of a ship. But you know I've had you know a co- couple months ago I did have an interesting story on um, Twitter. I'm a big fan of Outkick the coverage. Outkick's a it's a it's an up and coming. Uh, you know, barstool sports type of uh, platform right. for sports, and uh, I follow Jason Whitlock is uh, mm-hmm. is one of my favorite sports writers. Uh, you know, I've, I've always liked. I met him one year at our Final Four, and uh, always found him to be very entertaining. Even when he was on the sport, remember he was on the Sports Reporter. Oh yeah. So he was uh, in L.A. Uh, moving. A lot of people have been. I've been doing a lot of moves out of L.A. and New York City. I, I don't know why uh, people want to leave those cities. Can't since imagine. current. I can't, don't. Can't I don't. I, I don't know what's been going on, but a lot of them are. A lot of people are moving from the big cities. And uh, Whitlock got on his Twitter feed complaining about his moving company not showing up. And this was on a Wednesday afternoon. And I 
just simply replied back on Twitter, happy to help help one of the best sports writers in America out if he needs it. And next thing you know, I get a reply on Twitter. And no so, way. So Whitlock, Whitlock had sent me, a, you know, said, hey, give me a call, gave me a cell phone. So You got Whitlock's cell phone hey, number? Uh, yeah, yeah. I got, Whitlock. I got both of them. I got both of them. But he, he's, he's, he and I become really... Not, I mean, not, not, not good friend. We become friends, but very, uh, you know, we always banter back and forth a little bit over, uh, over text. I mean, I guess everybody sits around their house during uh, Corona and doesn't have a whole lot going on. But, uh, uh, but you know, he basically the mover bailed out. I, I jumped in there, got on the. Now, now we do it by video. So uh, Whitlock and I get on video at, at three thirty that afternoon. I happen to have a truck. Uh, one of our trucks happens to be in LA dropping off stuff and has to come back uh, back to the East Coast and it happens to be coming right through Nashville and so it ended up being we picked him up on a Saturday morning that Saturday morning and uh, had him delivered the following Tuesday and, and he uh, loves you no it just happened to be get lucky but uh, that was you know that's about you know every every day is a different day you know you always have different customers so those are probably two of my more memorable saves of uh, in the moving industry. But, That's awesome. Um, what yeah. happened to that container that, that uh, is at the bottom? Uh, of the I think it ended up costing the. Uh, the I think it ended up costing us about a quarter of a million dollars in, in claims and uh, more headaches than anything. But it's just it's it's one of the risks you run with it when you when you run at that time of year and yeah, it's just a lot of stuff can go on in an international move. It's not a not a fun thing. So it's somewhere down the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Maybe someone will find it someday. Yeah, that would be fun, but it's uh, you know it's been good. And then uh, you know I, I you know I like Paul. I mean I, I've always enjoyed my little league coaching. You, what, what, you, you miss you miss your coaching days? Are they done? Have you retired? Uh, I coached my daughter uh, this past uh, winter. Yeah, right before the pandemic hit. Yeah, hoops. Yeah, man. I, I I've always coached basketball. I coached my son when he was probably six. So I've coached all three of my kids in basketball. No, just all HYBL. Uh, little AAU, but yeah, mostly AAU. Yeah, yeah. mostly I, I just did I just did an AAU tournament this past weekend. It was uh, it, it's a long day, very long. It's day. a very long day. It's competitive. Nobody it's ever a... yells at the referees, though. You know, they're always very. You know, <laughs> nobody, nobody, yeah. and then no, nobody. Ever... No, he's kidding. He's, it's, just, oh. it's crazy. <laughs> it's, it, Every... it's brutal. I mean, these kids are seven. Settle down, everybody. Yeah. The best is you get these these parents out there with their damn video feeds of their, you know, their video on their camera, filming every single play, and then they'll post the thing up on their Twitter feed. They never, the kid never misses a shot. You ever ever notice that? <laughs> they put their videos of their kids up, and they never, they, they, they are like 10 for 10 every game. Every mm-hmm. single game they play, they hit every single shot. You know, it's, it's, a, it's amazing. It's crazy, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a different world that uh, we you and I grew up with. Paul and I grew up in a great, I mean, that's one of the things about Ashland that I always will appreciate was our youth being able to grow up in a small town, be able to go to the Little League field at you know nine a.m. in the morning. You could stay there till four. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yet you know you just enjoy watching everybody's development. And uh, and today we've lost that in society. Everybody's always looking for the bigger, better deal. I mean, Ashland, you know, the Ashland sports scene is it's not what it was it's when we thing, grew up. Yeah. There's you know the Ashland Vikings. Felt folded. That used crazy. To be, I mean, used to, you know, you used to be one of the greatest things ever as kids. You could go to a football game in the fall up at the Ashland Field from, 
you know, eight till, you know, four, five o'clock every day. Then you hit Randolph-Macon for a little behind-the-bleacher football game. And then, you know, you get a full day. And now it's, uh, you know, now the youth sports scene here is just, just almost bottomed out. I just, you know, I feel it's tough for our kids because I try to explain it the way we had it. You right. Know? We had I, it really good, right? Yeah, great. I mean, I remember watching Paul going to some of his uh, – I remember crushing one of my darkest days as a youth was going when y'all lost in All Stars to in the, uh, over at Huguenot when y'all wore the Pirates jerseys and you had the yeah. hat. I mean, you know now now today kids have seven bats, four bat bags, you know, a hitting coach and you yeah. Know, back in the day, play on like three teams, and back then we just had a greasy glove, a hat, and you know, maybe we we're lucky to have seven or eight balls in the ball bag, you know, and, and maybe two bats. So there were seven guys yeah. per bat kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, didn't have any corona, any corona to worry about back then, where you had to wash your bat off every time you used it. But, but it's just it's it's one of the things that you, it takes you back to your youth a little bit with. Uh, with the way we lived our life, and compared to the way our kids lived their lives, yeah. it's just it's uh, it's one of those it's weird. It's a it's a different world. I mean, there's nothing better than running into your old little league coach uh, back in the day. I mean, I I still see Jimmy Price. Jimmy Price is the old town. He's 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 like shooter from Hoosiers. You always see him up at the uh, <laughs> up at the uh, you'll see him up at the Iron Horse in town. And uh, you know I love calling him coach. I mean you know Bill Lockridge. I remember Bill Lockridge oh, yeah. coach. Tom Fleming was the the yep. the godfather of the little league. And you know th- some of these guys would wouldn't even have a kid out there. I mean they just loved t- coaching. Yeah. Today you couldn't you can't find a parent out. I mean a guy out there coaching just for the love of the kids and love being around him. It just doesn't exist in the community. And it's, yeah, it's uh, weird. It's a it's a different. Uh, different vibe uh, that I wish our kids could have experienced because it was kind of cool being able to associate yourself with some of the older generations. I mean, older guys, not generations, yeah, yeah. older, older guys and their development. But um, all right, Thomas, uh, UMBC. Where were you for the UMBC? I've been waiting for this. Uh, um, oh yeah. Well, uh, we the UMBC story is probably you know we we you know I talk about Monet Davis being one of the highlights of my kids. You know, my highlight as a dad taking a kid to a sporting event. Um, UMBC was without a doubt the the creme de la creme of it all. Were you there? We were there. We uh, hold, hold, let's back up. Are, are you did you who did you root for growing up? What what college basketball team? Well, I was uh, we obviously we were UVA fans because back when we grew up, UVA was uh, they were good. They were good. I mean, I think you had a little hokey in you, right? You like my dad went yeah, to yeah, hokey yeah, land. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I. Uh, you know, we all followed UVA as kids, and so uh, I, I went to Hamden. Obviously, I went to Hamden, Sydney, and one of my good friends was Ryan Odom from Hamden, Sydney, and he and I—he's actually godfather of one of my children, and I'm godfather of one of his children. So we've uh, we're obviously pretty close, and uh, we you know went to we're fraternity brothers. Is that's how we got close? When you, you you go through bloodship with guys, you become a little bit closer with them. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you know. Getting beat down on the wall every now and then <laughs> uh, help, helps build some brotherhood. But uh, so he and I, he and I, have been pretty close friends for uh, for a number of years. And uh, so uh, if you backtrack, we were they played Vermont on the Friday afternoon prior to what the UMBC game would UMBC Virginia game. So a week before, Vermont was literally like twenty four and six on the season. Uh, UMBC had lost to him by like thirty-five or forty. The um, the uh, time, you know, three weeks before, so it was a really things. 
we didn't expect them to win the game, but we they were on to was really excited. My family and I were down in a place called Ocean Reef down in Key Largo, Florida. Um, and during that week, I've been wearing my UMBC basketball um and nobody had a clue nobody nobody gave a crap about umbc basketball then you know there, especially there uh but you know until we were watching the game and you know we watched the first half and umbc was down uh you know against vermont and And that wasn't surprising it wasn't surprising so we no at the end i didn't think they were gonna and all of a sudden they got red hot and started just bombing threes and then they got back into the game and uh and eventually ended up winning at the buzzer with jaris lyles who used to play at VCU, also played in one of my Slam Fest events when he nice. played DeMatha. And so uh, yeah, he so was they, good. He was good. And so he, he started getting red hot, but he was finally healthy. You know, like that was one of the problems with that team was they, they were, they had Chris Mooney beat at, uh, at U of R. I mean, uh, Mooney got some nice calls. Um, and, and, but that you knew that team could compete. And, uh, but they, they ended up, Knocking off Vermont at the buzzer, and we were down in Florida, just going absolutely crazy. That was the championship game. Yeah, yeah, it was a championship yeah. game of the, Ameri- of their conference. I'll mess up the conference now. I think it's America East, but um, you know. So basically, I, uh, you know, we we're going absolutely bonkers, and you know, the the people we were with were thought that I just like you know had no clue how. Why you're so excited? Why University we're so excited. of Maryland, Baltimore <laughs> yeah. County just beat UNBC. Vermont. You know, Paul and I grew up. Going to Crenshaw Gym at Randolph Macon, and UMBC was in what was then the Mason Dixon Conference. So it was back Division Three. Division it was Division Two back then. Oh, that's you? right. You're right. Okay, you're so right. Randolph Macon used to be Division Two, and you had a, an incredible conference. And then UMBC was always the gimme game for Hal Nunley's jackets. Every time they right. they sweep them every year, and so uh, so it was just you know UMBC is just the lab side. So people couldn't figure it out. So. Then, then we started getting, you know, then we'd explain the situation of what was going on. You know, when you're running around, jumping in the pool, you know, taking, taking, chugging brews and, you know, over, <laughs> over a win over, uh, uh, of a, a lowly UMBC. So they, they would decide that, you know, wherever they go, we're going to go, you know, because the kids were excited. We're going to go to, uh, wherever UMBC goes. So, you know, we were kind of, Trying to figure out where they were. Their, their godfather just won a, yeah. an awesome game. Yeah, won a great won, game. Won, won a and we were just excited for that. Just excited to be there for because the first NCAA tournament game, uh, you know, first actual ter- NCAA tournament game that he who would actually be a coach in. So, start figuring out all the pairings, you know, throughout, you know, and, and then keep in mind you have to st- you had to wait another, uh, you know, the pairings came out on like. Uh, you had to wait another week, I think it was, before the ter- actual tournament. I believe it was. I can't remember how the timing was. Actually, maybe there may have been that Sunday. But anyway, it's probably you know. I, I remember on Facebook messing around. I said, "Book it," you know, UMBC versus Virginia on like Saturday afternoon. You know, the the ball boy takes on the f- former ball boy takes on uh, t- takes on his, his his dad's former school because it, Ryan's dad used to coach at UVA. And we, um, Paul, I don't know, did you ever go to Graves Mountain Lodge with us back in the day? No. So Graves Mountain Lodge was a basketball camp. That's where I actually met Ryan. And oh, he, I did go there one yeah, time. Yeah, and so yeah. it was at Graves Mountain Lodge. And, you know, he had he had what I call coach's privilege. You know, his, he, he was the coach's son, so he always got treated a little different than our regular Joe Schmo campers from Ashland, Virginia. So, but, uh, you know, so, but it, the – you know that the whole storyline there of him going against UVA was just, and I, I thought it was possible, but I thought it was too good to be true. But 
because they really you UMBC truly if you really look at that game although it was a one versus a 16 it truly wasn't a one versus you know UVA was the number one seed of the tournament and they technically should have been playing like the 60 the true 64th team 68th team um yeah but they turned down that opportunity to stay closer for the regional rather than – so they had to play the play-in game. I mean, they, they no, they turned down the play-in game because they wanted to know – they wanted to have an extra time to scout their opponent. That's what it was. They, but the UNC so they had the now, choice. They had a choice, and they decided they wanted to, to play in Charlotte. Well, because of that, I guess, you, you know, UNBC was never, ever a 16 seed. I'll, I mean, although that will go down to the legend as the biggest win ever – they were never close to a 16 seed. They should have been a 15 team, seed t- team, but they had all those injuries that we talked about that made their record look a little bit worse than it than it was. So U, UVA drew probably the best 16 seed in the history of the NCAA tournament that day. But we, we my family, we all decided we were going to go. So we got the kids out of school. Everybody's laughing at us like you're going to get you know. You know, going down there, everybody's talking smack to us all week, and uh, you know, it was, it was a really fun week for me because you know, you, you know, everybody was, at the time was trying to get like storylines on UNBC, and because nobody knew anything about them. Yeah, well, no, I mean, but like the old stories, and you know, and some a reporter called me from Maryland trying to get information on if Ryan Odom was looking at other jobs and things. So they always, the reporters will try anything. And so, so I actually ended up getting interviewed. And so, and so he goes, now, you know, and he talks about, yeah, you're one of his, you know, one of his good friends. And, you know, he ends up, you know, asked me a lot of questions that I couldn't answer because I didn't, I don't get involved with what my friend's jobs are going to be. They don't, that's, I'm the last person they're going to tell if they're going to tell yeah. anybody. And so, uh, so I didn't really provide a whole lot of insight, but he was asking about the game, um, and I literally he asked, uh, you know, um, and he asked me, he was all right. So 16's playing a one, uh, you know, what's going to happen? And I go, well, you know, I go, 16's never beaten a one, but I, I go, but I do remember Shamanad. Yeah, and I basically said that I, I felt like UMBC could play with them, and but Sean and I beat UVA back when Ralph Sampson was a senior. I think, yeah, right. Yeah. But my quote was, you know, I, you know, I know a 16 seed's never been number one, but I do remember Sean and and you know, at the time UVA, the uh, they had a player number uh, that was one ended up being a top first round draft pick last year in the top five lottery pick, Andre Hunter, who got hurt. And so that I remember calling Ryan's dad, and I said, you know, I'm hearing Andre Hunter's out for the game, and his dad laughs at me and goes, like, that's going to make a difference. So I said, I don't know. And so we we get looking back at it, looking at back at that that you know the the bad seeding, you know, UVA doing what they did, and then Andre Hunter getting hurt against North Carolina in the championship game in the ACC tournament really is what set the set the set set the stage. Um, it was a late, late, late game. Uh, it was a nine fifty seven start. Uh, you know the which is not a fun time to play it's basketball. It's terrible. The NCAA tournament is the longest. You know every game is drawn out way too long. Uh, too many commercials, and, and it's just it's it's just exhausting. But we uh, we drove down from Richmond, you know, my wife and my kids, and we got down there, and there, we got to the UMBC pregame party that was literally. Like fourteen people. I mean, it was it was almost almost the same as a SC Upstate game. But you had, but you know, you had you had a lot of family and friends. It was like you know, I like to refer to the WNBA as a friends and family league. But uh, but that that's basically what it was. And uh, you know, we got there just in time to be a part of that. And it was you know, you're in the lobby and 
you know, my wife starts doing her little FaceTiming thing and, you know, with the band and all that stuff and all people are all over our social media, you know, all over her social media, just talking smack, like, good luck. You got no shot, you know, all that type of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I snuck up to, uh, the room with the, some, some of the UMBC coaches just to get some of that of their their championship gear to to wear to the game. Uh, I had my T shirt on that was so that I wore for when they when they want beat Vermont. So I was going to stick with that. Uh, and uh, we were up there talking about the the NCAA tournament. Everybody scouts, right? So they do a you you, you scout the previous the Kansas State was playing before. I can't remember who they were playing. I think they were playing maybe Creighton or something. I can't remember who it was, but um, they they played before, and so it was it was like seven thirty five, seven forty, and that game at you know you're watching CBS and, it's, and you're there the NCAA tournament. You're at the hotel, and I was up there with Eric Skeeters, who's now now a coach at Delaware State, and Nate Dixon just talking in the room. They're they're in charge of the scout. You know, like who, who like and everybody's laughing about. Oh yeah, who's got the scout for the game? Because you know, technically, you know, a sixteen's never beaten a one. But you know, about seven fifty-five or eight o'clock, we end up break. They end up having to make their way over the term. They're like, I'm just go over there and check it out. You know, and they, they were all loose. Everybody was just really loose. The kids were no all no reason loose. not to be. And you're, and you're so. you know, we're at the hotel. You know, you're at the hotel and you can just see it. So then, uh, you know, then the, they're leaving for the stadium and. Uh, you know, and the, the, everybody's sending them off, and you, you know, there's everybody's just laid back. And the, you know, you get you get to the game, and the first half is, uh, you know, UVA's just you, you could see it in warmups. I mean, you know, you look at Kyle Guy, he airball. I watched him airball three shots right in front of me. Um, you know, it it was just they looked tight. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, one of the you know, things that uh, you know, growing up here, I've gotten to know Jason Williford, one of their coaches. Mm-hmm. You know. You know, say hi. They, you know, I was trying to say hi to them. It was, you know, it was just they were they were not right that night, and uh, and uh, it was, uh, and then the first half went, and it was the score was like nineteen to nineteen or twenty one twenty one. It was a weird game, and yeah. and UMBC was playing. It wasn't Virginia was playing. UMC was BC was playing terrible. They weren't making any shots. They were getting great looks, and uh, they were doing. Um, you know they were they were they you could tell they were about to get going. You know they were they they and UVA was just struggling, and and that whole second half, I mean UMBC just came out on fire. Jarris Lyle started at hidden, and then you just saw the the composure of UVA just crack, and it was just it was, you know, as happy as I was for Ryan winning, I was also sad for t- Tony because Tony Bennett's really one of the greatest guys. It, it, to ever coach, oh, it, 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 there's not a better guy. There's not a more honest person. You basically had two of the most honest people in, in, in basketball coaching against one another. In my opinion, that's a little biased, but I mean, I, that's the way I feel. But it was, it was, it was, it was tough to see. But his team just completely cracked, and it was just. And sometimes like, you can't do anything about it. You right? can't do anything about it. It was just yeah. wasn't meant to be. Uh, you know, they 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 with Hunter out, they weren't going to go very far anyway. I don't think they but maybe make it to the Sweet Sixteen. Maybe. maybe, but it was not as you know. And you know, Virginia fans were just. I mean, beyond upset, obviously with the, with the situation. But it was it was never meant to be. But the excitement of just. Being there, we, you're sitting in the first three rows. Uh, you got your family there. You're, I mean, there's, you know, we're just going crazy. Uh, you know, you gen- guys were in disbelief. You couldn't yeah, believe it. Jim yeah. Nance, Grant Hill, uh, uh, 
and and my and Bill Raftery, who I ended up having drinks with at the Pendry <laughs> the following following November, which he is that's another one of the greatest guys in sports. Bill Raftery is there's nothing better than him his his what he does. But it was uh it was just simply awesome to be to be there and just going crazy. I ended up getting on getting on CBS with my you know you know pulled out my UMBC you know uh, t-shirt and just you know we were just ecstatic. Stayed up till like one two thirty three in the morning. Um, Surprised so you stay up all night. Yeah. We we did we did it was it was a long night. They were um, you know we got to the hotel and there you know people doing all kinds of, you know, interviews, following the team. I mean, you know, uh, you know, you know, it was, it was just a very chaotic night. And, you know, th- and then I had to get back for, we, we only packed, my family only packed one set of clothes. We showed up for one day. We didn't expect to stay the whole weekend. Sure. So we had, I, I coached little league baseball. So I had to get back to Richmond to coach from Charlotte, from Charlotte. So I had to get up early I mean, at like seven thirty, eight a.m. So I had like four hours sleep. And then we end up coming back to Richmond, and then so uh, we, uh, you know, obviously we're on cloud. It's kind of nice being back in Richmond with our, you know, because everybody, everybody was in a. It was kind of nice to see some of the Virginia fans uh, <laughs> the next day. They were just shocked, but it was, uh, it was something we'll never ever forget. I mean, it the the the, the excitement of. You know that was their national championship, and to see one of your buddies just 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 do it. But you know the, the thing that many people talk about is how classy Tony Bennett was in losing. But you know I always like to like the other day I watched Chris Mooney and how he handled himself against John Calipari when they were Richmond beat UK, yeah, yeah. and it was it was just I always like watching the excitement of you know Ryan handled that moment uh, in if what he could have been you know. You know, he could have been a lot more flamboyant with right. the win, but he handled it with tr- true grace because he, you know, he had been on the other side being a coach's son. So it was a, it was a moment. That it was it was surreal. It was fun, but it was it was just uh, one of those that you can't put into the whole story of the whole thing. Just kind of it was made it one of the the greatest. Uh, you know, now being a sixteen beater one is great, but it was just just great to see it all. Yeah, you know, a lot of connections between the two. Yeah, schools, I mean that was so. twenty years of work there. You know, to, right. to, to get to that point. So it was, it was all right. So my my experience with that game is is a lot. Uh, it's not it's not as deep as yours. Uh, I watched the first half and I'm like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe it's a twenty to twenty game or twenty one twenty one or whatever it was. I'm like, I'm not worried about losing to them. But hold, hold on a second. What does UMBC stand for again? Like I didn't understand at halftime what, that it was even a school, uh, and then. Lyles catches fire. Their little point guard, who maybe was 5'4". I mean, the ball looked like it was a beach ball to him. <laughs> he was a tiny kid, but he was, he was good. Uh, eight minutes left. UVA's down 20, 22, something like that. I turned it off. I, didn't, I, I knew there was no way they were coming back. They looked awful the entire game. And uh, I, 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 I didn't want to care that much about a game. But I, I felt really, really sad for those kids because they were the number one seed in the land going into that tournament. Uh, and UVA had been number one in the land a, a handful of times. But, man, to be the first to lose to a 16th seed? Because a lot of people that follow college basketball assume that would never happen. And then it finally happens, and it's, and it's your alma mater. Now, mm. I can't imagine being one of those players. Could not imagine. Well, you know, but they, you know, and to their credit, they turned it into a huge pop. I mean, they used this motivation, and and it uh, worked and it, the next and year. And it worked. It it was, uh, you know, and they they got you know things happened for a reason. I just think it was, uh, 
I mean, it was it was it was it was one of those things that I don't think Virginia wins the national championship. Probably not yeah. without losing to UMBC. I mean, I think that uh, just kicked kicked their their motor into high gear. So it was uh, you know that's uh, it was it was it was a, it was it was a great moment though. It was it was something right, we need we need more of that in the world today. We need a little bit more. I like I like the when the underdog comes through. So. Oh, trust me, if UMBC was playing any other team, I would have loved that story. Mm-hmm. I, I always root for the underdog unless it's my team playing as the favorite, and so yeah, yeah. It, it was funny that you know then the Sunday game came around, and then all of a sudden that 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 crowd that was of uh, you know twenty all of a sudden became like, <laughs> like five hundred. So it was yeah. like, you know there was just, you know the NCAA tournament again. Just sometimes it's it's based too much around TV. It's all TV, and it's yeah. just it's just it is. A very, very, very long experience for the kids, and I think that caught up with UMBC. All the, all oh, the meat. Oh they they God. could have beaten Kansas State if they had had the right uh, rest and things. I just think that they coming off that late game and staying up all night and the, well, and the, the high, the high they were mm-hmm. on that had to be incredible. I mean, it was exa- it was exhausting for a fan, I right? Mean, just you know, I, I was hung over till Wednesday of the weekend, you know, because it just you takes so much out of you, you know. You share a few names tonight, Thomas. That I'll be following up with you. Absolutely, uh, we can. We can. We'll get them. Uh, we'll, we'll get them on the the Foso Network. Yeah, but Podso One, baby. Podso One. Podso One. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, but, well, Thomas, it's been about an hour and a half, which is uh, typically we go sixty to ninety minutes. Uh, it's been a lot of fun talking to you, Thomas. Reminiscing, uh, f- great stories, and uh, I'm really glad you joined us. Today. Well, yeah, yeah I appreciate Thank y'all you. having me. Thanks for having me. Y'all, y'all, great. Merry Christmas and a good New Year. You too. Thanks, man. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to subscribe through whichever app you're using. To share your thoughts, head over to our website at podso1.io, and there you can comment on episodes or send us feedback directly. Thanks for listening.